Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So your degree was in marketing. That makes sense. The following podcast contains tobacco, swear words, and yes, alcohol. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you conceived, created, and marketed a product that nobody asked for and nobody liked, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 331. Right now, someone is planning another Crystal Pepsi comeback edition of the show, where we talk about that time Pepsi decided wanted a regular-ass Pepsi, but not brown. Stay tuned. What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast is brought to you by the Royal Crown Clear, the RC Cola that tastes kind of like RC Cola, but clear. When you think of a cola that almost no one drinks and many people have never even heard of, you probably think of Royal Crown Cola. When asked about Royal Crown, most people say, isn't that the booze that comes in the purple bag? RC wants to change that, so now we proudly offer RC Clear, the clear soda that no one wants, but is clear. In blind taste tests amongst the six RC Cola drinkers we could find, people said that RC Cola Clear, quote, tastes kind of like RC Cola, but not, unquote. Which, hey, we'll take it. So when you reach for that cold, refreshing soda today, why not reach for a Royal Clown Clear? Because honestly, we're fucking treading water here and we could really use your help. What do you think? Have you ever tasted Crystal Pepsi? No, actually, I haven't. It doesn't really taste like Pepsi. What do you think? Well, I do. Just take a sip. It's hard to explain. It's just... It isn't anything like California white wine. I'm embarrassed here. What's it like? It's a nice lemony zing taste. What do you think? It's not as heavy. Less syrupy. Mm. I'm sweating. I love it. It's refreshing. Clear taste. This is different. Would you like to take a bath in it? Seriously. <laughs> what are you It should go without saying that being born about 100 miles or so from Atlanta, I grew up in a Coke family. We were doing a lot of Coke, weed, following bands around. No, I meant Coca-Cola. You see, back in the olden times, Americans weren't so divided on things like whether or not to take a vaccine that would save lives or whether or not some guy who clearly lost an election didn't lose that election. No, that's not what we did. Americans were divided into Americans were divided into far more important categories. You of course had For great taste, there's only one light beer. Miller Lite. But only slightly less contentious was Coke versus Pepsi. We both know I ordered a Pepsi-Cola, and now you've insulted me and my entire family by offering me this, this, whatever this. But being a civilized person, I'd like to give you a chance to make amends. Capisce? Yeah. Here you go. Thank you. 
The Bledsoe family was a Coke family. My father drank Coke, my mother drank Diet Coke, and by God, in the American flag, my sister and I drank Coke as well. Unless, of course, we were at my grandparents' house when we drank RC. Those monsters. I'm gonna be honest. As a kid, we could give a fuck whether we drank Coke or Pepsi. All we wanted was sugar and caffeine and fizz. The only reason we drank Coke is in that part of the South, a Coke was not the brand name of the Coca-Cola Corporation, but the generic name for all fizzy carbonated drinks. People are fucking crazy. In most of the South, sodas are generically known as Cokes because that's where Coke is from. And it was the first Coke they ever drank. So they became Cokes in the way the copiers are Xeroxes, sticky tape is Velcro, and neo-Nazis are Republicans. In my little corner of the South, it was not unusual to hear it referred to as a Coca-Cola. How fiendishly droll. It was all very confusing at times when you would order with something in the restaurant and the wait staff would routinely reply to an order of a Coke with, you want a Coke or a Pepsi? Which confused non-Southerners who clearly wanted a Coca-Cola, otherwise they would have ordered a Pepsi. And if you did answer a Pepsi, the wait staff would inform you that they'd be back shortly with your cold Pepsi, insinuating that having a warm Pepsi was an option, which technically it was, but cold Pepsi was simply the proper nomenclature for ordering a Pepsi-Cola product. This is all so very confusing. Yeah, I was born there, and I really don't understand most of it, but that's the South for you. Never do something easy when it can be done pointlessly hard. Like so many other things in my life, I'm a bit of an apostate. Given my preference, I will generally choose a Pepsi or a Dr. Pepper. Blasphemer! It's not about turning my back on family or anything. I just don't really drink all that much soda in the first place, and I've always found Coke, the brand Coke, a little acidic for my taste. I drank Diet Coke for years because I preferred my caffeine cold in the summer, but these days I'm pretty much off sodas altogether, unless I'm mixing them with bourbon. Mixing bourbon with anything other than a proper Coca-Cola, well, it's just, it's just... It's just wrong. Of course, even the idea of, say, a Dr. Pepper and bourbon is still not as disgusting as something that Pepsi itself came up with back at the dawn of the 1990s. It's Patio, the diet drink for Pepsi. Oh, no. That's much older. What I'm talking about is the greatest misfire of all the cola wars. Well, the second greatest after New Coke. A failure of such epic proportions that even a mention of it today can bring a tear to the eyes of a marketing executive. Gentlemen, I give you Crystal Pepsi. All the great taste of regular Pepsi, but without that troublesome opacity. What, what, what if you're drinking a regular Pepsi and somebody's coming at you with a knife? Huh? You won't be able to see him past your Pepsi. And, 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 then, and then who's dead, huh? You! You! You're dead! Stabbed! Crystal Pepsi. One of these days, I'm going to get around to giving the entire Cola Wars the three-part mega-treatment they deserve from this podcast. But today is not that day. Today is a day for us to all go... Clear. In the beginning... There was the soap. Just give me honest work at honest pay. Honest sweat from honest play. And when I'm through, that's when I'll say. I want my clean as real as ivory. It's gotta be 99.44. I want my clean as real as ivory. Nothing less, nothing more. No deodorants, no heavy perfumes. That's a real clean. That's ivory. It's gotta be pure, that's for sure. I want my clean as real as ivory. 
Ivory soap had been around since 1845 when it was developed into a bar soap by Procter and Gamble in 1879. And by 1895, the slogan 99.44 100% pure was the advertising slogan for ivory soap. An utterly meaningless jumble of words since soap by its very nature is a mixture of many different chemical substances. It isn't mined from the ground in some sort of pure form or excreted from an orifice. Not unless someone has put it in said orifice beforehand. Thanks for the visual. But as a bit of marketing, 99.44100% pure is fucking gold. It sounds impressive and it drove ivory sales for decades. Ivory is lodged in the American psyche as pure. And that is why I bring it up. Darkrosemedia.com picks it up from here. Quote, a full century later in the 1980s, however, Procter & Gamble's claims of purity would kick off a craze that equated clarity to purity with its national marketing of clear dishwashing liquids and see-through plastic bottles. The brand claimed that the new version of their dish soaps were tougher on grease, but also somehow easier on the hands. Soon, purity became a selling point in the marketing sense, implying that a given item was cleaner, more natural, healthier, safer, free of impurities, and basically just better if it appeared clear. This national obsession with clarity found its way into marketing for brands that range far beyond dish detergents, including the personal hygiene products and even technologies such as the Apple iMac and Nintendo Game Boy. Beverage companies such as PepsiCo sought to take full advantage of this phenomenon. They redesigned their famous recipe to be free of artificial dyes, caffeine, and preservatives effectively rendering the drink translucent. Pepsi's newly devised cola was marketed as the clear alternative to normal colas and even boasted the tagline, you've never seen a taste like this, unquote. So for a few years in the late 80s and early 90s, everything will become clear. Dishwashing soap, laundry detergent, deodorant, mouthwash, anal lube, everything had a clear version touted in the absence of additives, preservatives, and artificial coloring, you name it, to be a clear it was an utterly meaningless slogan designed to list the idea that a product with exactly the same in all respects as the existing types of the product was somehow better because it was clear. Again, from Dark Gross Media, quote, however, this idea of clarity equals purity was not without its skeptics. A 1993 article penned by the Associated Press and printed by the Los Angeles Times opined that this new clear craze was nothing more than a short-term fad writing it's hip to be clear, or is it hype? In the same article, Martin J. Friedman, an editor of New Product News, was quoted as saying, Everyone is desperate for something innovative, but a lot of this is just appealing to consumers' perceptions, and I don't think it will last, unquote. And that is where Pepsi comes in. Clear sodas were not new when Pepsi began toying with the idea that would come become Crystal Pepsi. 7-Up was created in 1920, and here's a little nugget that you probably didn't know. Until 1948, 7-Up contained a healthy dose of the antidepressant lithium. I feel happy. Sprite, the 7-Up knockoff, was invented by Coke in 1960. Pepsi created Slice in 1984. And various store brands based on the lemon-lime formula had kicked around for years. But Pepsi was thinking about something different. You see, what they wanted to create wasn't a lemon-lime Pepsi. They wanted to create a Pepsi that was... It's crystal clear. In 1992, a dude by the name of David Novak became the chief operating officer of Pepsi. 
Now, David didn't come from the soda biz. No, pod friends. Dave came from the blackest slime pits of hell. He came from a marketing career. Think you're evil. And once he was there at Pepsi, Novak began to looking to leave his mark on the product. Like one who'd leave their mark on a pair of tidy whities after a meal at Taco Bell, which Novak would actually go on to be the CEO of in the future. He took one look around and drew on his marketing experience and said, hmm, what if we did the same shit that other companies are doing, but with the Pepsi logo on it? And the Pepsi board of directors were like, Brilliant strategy, sir. And since in 1992, what all the other companies were doing was making clear things and labeling them pure and healthy, they would make a clear Pepsi a crystal Pepsi. Novak claimed that this crystal Pepsi would be healthier because even though it still contained a whopping dose of high fructose corn syrup, it did not contain caffeine. The healthiest thing that ever happened to me. So, Novak had the Pepsi soda scientist cook up a clear formula that tasted almost, but not quite, entirely unlike Pepsi. Or anything else for that matter. The distributors all told Novak that they could definitely make Crystal Pepsi taste more like, you know, actual Pepsi. But he wouldn't hear a word of it. After limited success in test markets, David Novak did what marketing people do. He planned a massive advertising blitz to put his Crystal Pepsi in the mouths of people all over America and then the world. There was only one tiny problem. Pepsi had a... Obviously, duction. Spy on our midst. I mean, I'd like to think there was some deep corporate espionage going, whispers in an underground garage, and perhaps a couple of car chases through the streets of Purchase, New York, while the spy escapes minutes ahead of Pepsi's corporate goons with a secret formula to Crystal Pepsi, catching a flight to Atlanta at LaGuardia. But chances are Pepsi just put out a press release and someone a Coke read it, and that gave Coke an idea, a nefarious idea. They would sabotage Pepsi in the cruelest way possible, stab them in the back with the dullest and most revolting knife in the Coca-Cola arsenal, a can of Tab. Cola, but I would describe it thusly. If pink has a taste, it would taste like tab, and pink tastes like shit. Now, imagine something almost, but not entirely, quite unlike the taste of pink, but clear, and you have Coke's devilish plan. From an article in MASH.com, quote, when Pepsi came out with Crystal Pepsi, they sunk a huge amount of money into rolling out a new product. According to the book Killing Giants, Coca-Cola saw that as an opportunity. It was Coke's chance to hit Pepsi where it hurt by releasing their own clear cola and then destroying the image of them both. It was insanely risky and it was the brainchild of marketing guru Sergio Zyman. Zyman realized a way to ambush Crystal Pepsi is to do a kamikaze on them commit suicide and kill them in the process. So I went into the company Coca-Cola and sold them on the idea. 
They released Tab Clear, their version of a clear soda. It was never supposed to be good. It was only supposed to confuse consumers more than they already were. Tab Clear was officially marketed as a diet drink, much like the original Tab, and it wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. It was only on the market for a few months before it sank, and the failure helped drag Crystal Pepsi down too, unquote. Yeah, Coke took their objectively worse-tasting product, made it slightly worse, rushed it to market ahead of Pepsi Clear in order to fuck Crystal Pepsi. You magnificent bastard, I read your book! Coke was coming off their own episode of shooting themselves in the dick a few years before with a new Coke debacle, and they certainly weren't interested in launching a clear version of their flagship product, or rather relaunching it. You see, they already had done it once when they had created a clear Coke in 1946 for none other than the Marshal of the Soviet Union, Grigory Zhukov, the mastermind behind the Soviet victory in World War II. Zhukov had developed a taste for Coca-Cola during the war, but in Soviet Russia, Coke was a capitalist imperial soft drink, and so, as a special request, Coke quietly made a version of their drink without the caramel coloring and bottled it, bottled it inside a clear bottle with a red star and a white cap. It was then shipped via Austria to Zukov. No one on either side of the Iron Curtain wanted this little nugget to be widely known, and it has absolutely nothing to do with Clear Tab or Crystal Pepsi. I just thought it was interesting. I'll allow it. Back to Tab Clear. From an article in Mental Floss, quote, Like a boxer preparing a counterattack, Cokes couldn't simply sit back and allow Pepsi to strike without retaliation. But few within the company were sold on the longevity of the clear soda craze. Worse, the company had stumbled badly with New Coke in 1985. The new formula intended to replace the classic version that drew public criticism and created a public relations disaster. Tempting fate with a clear Coke was out of the question. Zyman had the answer. Before coming to Coke, Zyman had been the director of the sales and marketing for Pepsi. He defected to Coca-Cola just in time for the highly successful launch of Diet Coke in 1982. After a sabbatical, Zyman, a notoriously combative executive who named, earned the nickname Iacola for his management style, returned as chief marketing officer and devised an ingenious plan to stifle Crystal Pepsi without risking the reputation of Coca-Cola Classic. His sacrificial pawn would be Tab. In his mind, Tab Clear was what consumer brand was referred to as a kamikaze effort, a product designed to fail. Zyman believed that the presence of Tab Clear on the shelves would confuse consumers into believing Crystal Pepsi was a diet drink. It wasn't, though there was a diet Crystal Pepsi version available. By blurring the lines and confusing consumers who wanted either a calorie-free drink or a full-bodied indulgent, Zyman expected Tab Clear to be a dud and bring Crystal Pepsi down along with it, unquote. And so it was in January 1993, with Tab Clear just rolling out with enough marketing to let people know it was there. Pepsi made a huge ad buy in that perennial festival of capitalism, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 27, Dallas Cowboys versus the Buffalo Bills, which in retrospect probably cursed the whole thing from the start. First of all was the coin toss by none other than famous Buffalo Bill, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson is one of the most recognizable people. In True, which is probably why all those people spotted him 18 months later fleeing the scene of the brutal murder of his ex-wife. Then the halftime performer was none other than one Michael Jackson. Shimon! 
who just a few weeks later would be publicly accused and sued for molesting little boys. That would be you, Mike. And finally, Super Bowl 27 was an embarrassingly bad football game, with Dallas defeating the Bills 52-17, to capping three consecutive losses in the Super Bowl for the Buffalo Bills, who would go on to lose a fourth time a year later and not return to the big show since 1994. And into this cursed morass, Pepsi dropped their latest brainchild, the ad for Crystal Pepsi. The one-minute Super Bowl spot for Crystal Pepsi was perplexing. Now, normally I would play the commercial, but the commercial is nothing but the song right now from Van Halen with writing and images tangentially about Crystal Pepsi. That was a bit of a stretch. Right Now, released in 1992 during the Van Hagar years of Van Halen, is actually one of my favorite Van Hagar songs. The music's bouncy, the lyrics are upbeat and positive, so I could see why one might use it in an advertisement, but it was the video that made the song so good. It was a great video. It won three VMAs in 1992 and was filled with uplifting imagery that even 30 years later still hits you in the old feels. But what Pepsi did presumably after paying everyone involved just an obscene amount of money, was recreate the video almost exactly for the ad. It's probably not the best idea. It wasn't, and no one could figure out what the fuck was going on. And people thought that matching this song with Crystal Pepsi was particularly crass because, of course, it was. Again, from Ash.com, quote, if you really want an epic walk down memory lane, check out this advertisement for Crystal Pepsi. It aired during Super Bowl 27 and contains the most 90s imagery ever. There's a Van Halen song, the old school fonts and computer graphics, and for whatever reason, a rhino and a rat in a wheel. It's the entire decade summed up in 60 seconds. There's also a great visualization that shows just what went wrong with Crystal Pepsi. Watch the video, then ask yourself if you have the foggiest idea what they were actually advertising. It's trendy, maybe. And we're pretty sure it doesn't have preservatives. It's all natural stuff of the future, but what the heck is it? And there you have Crystal Pepsi's problem, unquote. Then there was the taste. The idea was that Crystal Pepsi would be caffeine and preservative-free that tasted like original Pepsi. Problem was... The people who had the formula for original Pepsi wouldn't share it with the people who made Crystal Pepsi, like the formula for Coke or the original 11 Herbs and Spices. It's a corporate secret on the level of the government putting JFK's brain in a monkey. As soon as I finish eating these berries, maybe I'll go swing on that tire. (laughs) Ask not what your country can do for you. So the food scientists, who are very much a real thing, just kind of had to approximate what it took to make Pepsi taste like Pepsi, but clear. They uh, they didn't quite achieve their goal. The taste was Pepsi-ish, but it had a definite aftertaste that was not altogether present, as I recall. It wasn't terrible, it just wasn't great either. So no reason to switch to Crystal Pepsi from whatever you were normally drinking. Also, 
people didn't know what the fuck Crystal Pepsi was supposed to be. Was it a diet drink? No, but there was a diet version of Crystal Pepsi. Was it a health drink? Again, no, it was filled with the same unhealthy shit of all the other sodas on the market. Was it alcoholic? No, that was Zima. What is it? Zima. Beer? No, something different. Wine cooler. Not so sweet, try as if. But somehow that got in their brains. Was it supposed to replace Pepsi like New Coke was supposed to replace it with classic Coke a few years earlier? Definitely not. In fact, that was one of Pepsi's biggest fears that Crystal Pepsi would somehow cut into regular Pepsi sales. Well, clearly there was nothing to worry about. No, no, clearly there wasn't. So no one really knew why they should choose Crystal Pepsi over, well, anything else. One of the articles I read in the research said the novelty was enough for people to try Crystal Pepsi once, but there was nothing there to keep people drinking it. By the end of 1993, it was clear that Crystal Pepsi wasn't going to change how people drink sodas and was pulled off the shelves. A few different versions of it popped over the next couple of years with citrus flavors, but none caught on and Crystal Pepsi more or less became a fallen soldier in the Cola Wars, an expensive flop that only podcasters desperate for content would dredge up. But something strange happened in 2013. A YouTuber Let me get, huh? released a video of them drinking a skunked bottle of Crystal Pepsi from 1994, and this triggered a wave of millennial nostalgia on the internet. Tweets, emails, an online petition, and Pepsi quickly figured out they could cash out and bring a quick buck by bringing back Crystal Pepsi. So in 2015, Pepsi announced the big comeback. Don't call it a comeback! Because it wasn't a comeback, it was a marketing stunt. Millennials wistful for the taste of a mediocre beverage could enter a sweepstakes for one of 13,000 six-packs of Crystal Pepsi by merely providing Pepsi and anyone Pepsi chose to sell it to their personal information for a slight chance of receiving a failed beverage recreation from the 1990s. Then, a year later, Crystal Pepsi re-returned, this time in stores, proving again that Americans... We'll buy anything! It was an original Crystal Pepsi. It had caffeine and preservatives in it, of course, but that's what Americans like in their junk drinks. Then it was re-re-re-released in 2017 for the last time with a nationwide tour of Pepsi-themed music festivals headlined by Busta Rhymes and salt and pepper Despite this farewell tour, Crystal Pepsi was re-re-re-re-released again in 2018, for the last time. I mean it this time. And they did mean it until 2019 when it was re-re-re-re-released, but only in Canada. But you better be getting it fast because there would be no more Crystal Pepsi until Valentine's Day 2020 when Pepsi's Twitter account teased that maybe there would be more Crystal Pepsi. Alas, that was kiboshed when, you know, the entire world had other things to worry about than nostalgia for a crappy 90s Pepsi product. But I wouldn't fear, I'm sure that we haven't. You have not seen the last of me! When the stars align and the seas are strange, by which I mean the marketing department of Pepsi decides to trot out Crystal Pepsi again, once again, people with dubious taste in sodas can again get their beloved recreation of Crystal Pepsi. It's not like New Coke, which we've definitely seen the last of, except for that one time in 2019 when they brought it back for a limited time as a tie-in with Stranger Things, but I'm sure 
we will never see that darken our soft drink doorsteps ever again. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That is it for our show this week. Now, last week I promised you something that clearly I have not delivered on, and I meant to talk about Polly Shore, but I moved him back in the hopper for the later because I wanted to come correct with a super lighthearted show after the major downer that was last week. But still, I did promise you so. This is what put this place on the map. Oh. What are you doing, Mrs. Tony? No, 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 you can't do this. You can't do this here. Now, now, we must leave now, please. Look, Kashmir, Rajneesh, why don't you just chill? No, but still. Link and I are cruising the mountain, bro, and we figure we's a little juice. No, we think that juice. Never say I didn't do something nice for you. Speaking of doing something nice, rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast. It helps others find them, listen to it, and realize you're not a nice person at all. Follow all of my juice wheezing on the social at the hell underscore podcast on Twitter and the show name on Facebook. You can help us score major grindage by kicking us a buck on Patreon. October is coming up and we have some spooky content only for our patrons out there waiting next to that case of new Coke out in the graveyard. All of our tasty fresh nugs are available at whatthehellpodcast.com and we are a proud member of the Seltzer Kings podcast who want you to know, hey, buddy. So for me, Dave, miss the beat, lose the rhythm, Bledsoe, producer, the more things you get, the more you want. Gavin and all the fictional front men of Van Halen on this show, we want to say that right now is not, in fact, your tomorrow. Your tomorrow is your tomorrow. Right now is indeed right now. We'll see you all next week. Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What the Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow.